You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've tuned in to the correct podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus show, and it's really cool to have you tuning in to one of our SEO episodes. In today's episode, I'm talking to Adam about a long tail, I suppose, SEO strategy. We are talking about how you can get into fighting in a blue ocean rather than a red ocean uh, with your SEO, how you can rank a lot faster. He's sharing a strategy he's used with smaller brands um, to get results in as little as six weeks. So yes, um, this one's straightforward to do, high quality on the customer front, and um, I think you're really going to like it. We're just about to meet Adam, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash Masterplan. Today I'm chatting with SEO expert Adam Bastock. Adam is an e-commerce specialist who's been involved in all sorts of e-commerce over the last 10 years, from running his own Etsy store to being the marketing person at a series of e-commerce brands. He's now focusing in on SEO and helping Shopify and WooCommerce retailers to hit their first million pounds. Hello, Adam. Hello, Chloe. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's good to be this side of the microphone. Yeah, well, it's great to have you here. Um, it's it's been a while since we last caught up, and I'm very excited that we're putting it on uh, on tape for everybody. Uh, before we get into what we're going to be talking about, though, how did you get into SEO? How did you end up with this obsession that sucks so many people in? I know. I think your intro is very good, broad, uh, pricey to this, where it is a case of I've done a bit of everything. I've done Google ads. I've done affiliates. I've done I've built websites. I've broken websites. I've done side projects with everything. And so I used to work with a lot of small brands and did a bit of everything for them where I was an e-commerce executive in their business and therefore would kind of have everything thrown at me and would have to pick up the pieces. And from that, I found that SEO was two things. One, the most interesting of all the channels really for me. And two, it was always the one that drove the most revenue or the most return on investment. And I think especially for smaller companies, because I typically worked at very small brands, that's where they would find the most growth and the most opportunity. And from that, it was a case of, right, there's a lot of discussion out there around SEO that's quite focused on big brands, but how can small brands leverage that to their their benefit? And even big brands, how can they use that to to really grow regular uh, investment in in their company? I always think SEO is an area which scares a lot of people because there can be a long time before you see a return. And then you'll kind of get, it's almost like that, that paralysis of choice. It's like, oh, I don't know where to start and I'm never going to learn what works. So I'll ignore it, especially in a small business when you're trying to generate sales today. It can often get flipped off the to-do list, can't it? Exactly. And I think the problem there is, is that because a lot of you know, business owners will be focusing on it, they won't focus on it because it's not generating revenue today. They therefore ignore it from the long term. And then it turns out that two years down the line, you've not made any progress and your business is still scrabbling around to try and 
win that very quick business and those quick sales. And that is exactly why you don't win those quick sales is because you've not put in the foundations, you've not put in all of the the infrastructure, if you want to call it a, a fancy word in terms of your marketing, to be able to to kind of run that that run that business. So I think there was a lot of frustration when I was talking to business owners around that and I decided I could either move to another business and, and, and be somewhat ignored by the business owner or I could go freelance and have them pay me money to be ignored for it. So that's why, that's why <laughs> I kind of left and went freelance for it. You know, that being paid to be ignored, far more far more fun than doing it internally. But, but yes, it is it is one of those areas which which can be tricky for the smaller business. So hopefully today, because we're going to be talking about SEO and how it fits in with the rest of the marketing mix, how it fits in with the wider business, hopefully we're going to help, especially the smaller businesses, see how it can fit for them. So Adam, SEO obviously doesn't happen in a vacuum. We'd be crazy to think of it in a vacuum. Often that gets talked about in terms of little things like feeding information between Google ads and the SEO team on keywords or or remembering to tell your SEO guy when you're going to move websites. <laughs> yeah, little things like that. <laughs> Does help. Um, huge things like that, in fact. But what we want to talk about here is kind of the more strategic side of it. And that, that in your mind, kind of starts with, with how we use our blog posts. So do you want to explain a bit about what we're going to be talking about today around the, those blogs and beyond? Yeah, so I think the first thing we want to try and do here is kind of put down the SEO box and take a step back and look at the marketing more broadly. So if we look at the four marketing uh, stages, which would typically for e-commerce we're going to focus on here, um, at least from an acquisition point of view, we've got the awareness, the consideration, evaluation, and then purchase. So awareness, people don't know what they're looking for yet. They've got a problem, but they don't know how to define it. Consideration, they're starting to define that problem, but and they're starting to identify the product they need to uh, solve their problem, and therefore they're just looking for that product. Evaluation that they're comparing those products and then purchase, they've identified what they want to buy and then they're going to buy it. A lot of the SEO work that goes on for e-commerce brands tends to happen at those bottom two funnels. It's normally around purchase and it's normally around uh, evaluation. What I prefer to do, and I think a lot of businesses are missing out on, is focusing a lot of their SEO efforts at the top two pieces of this funnel, uh, awareness and consideration. And there's several reasons for that. One is because it's a great way to sometimes get ahead of the competition because you're not competing directly against them. And it will bring your customers into your brand fold and, and, and your journey in a far earlier stage, and therefore you can start nurturing them much better. There are several ways you can do that, one of which is with, obviously, email marketing and, and, and capturing their email address at that point. But also, this is where the connectivity with other teams in your business comes up or with other departments is... You, you can use those landing pages to then drive and, and, and fill Facebook marketing lists or, or kind of remarketing or Instagram lists. Or, you know, as I say, you then might put them onto custom email sequences with Klaviyo and, and have them nurtured throughout that sequence. And you can start customizing the entire journey there. And the benefit of reaching them at the awareness phase and the consideration phase is they're normally typing in much more specific questions than they are at the bottom of the funnel. And therefore, you've got a far more empathetic view of where the customer is in that journey. And you can be far more specific in your language and your messaging and therefore get higher conversion rates. So what we're really talking about here is not just using a blunt strategy or a blunt tool. It is about really being putting yourself in the customer's shoes, really, and going, well, actually, how can we deliver a great experience to these customers to get them on board as early as possible? And SEO is a great way of doing that because people are searching in the way that they would define or describe their problems. 
what I love about this approach is that it's so so much easier and offers so much more potential than fighting over the key SEO terms in the evaluation and the purchase levels. Anyone who's heard the phrase blue ocean strategy, it's like the red ocean with all the hungry sharks fighting over each other and spilling all the blood. That's your purchase and evaluation levels. Over an awareness and consideration, that's where you're creating this this more uh, longer form early in the purchase journey content, which is a lot easier to rank for in SEO terms. And I personally, I think easier to write as well. Exactly. You can be a lot more creative, can't you? Because you are you're targeting for much longer search terms, and you're because it is less competitive, and there's more. It's kind of a bit juicier to get into, and you can, as I say, really empathise with the customer because you know their problem. If you've got two search terms, for example, and I'm going to probably stick with this because I've been looking it up quite a lot recently, is, is cushions. <laughs> so bear with me for, for cushion spam. But if someone searches for what colour cushions go with a red sofa, you know far more about them than if they're just searching for the term red cushions. Now, red cushions is that consideration level. It's going to be whether they've got a lot of search volume. And that is the, the term that everyone is fighting over because that is a purchase. Someone's about to purchase that, that red cushion. The what kind of cushions go with the red sofa isn't as uh, attractive because someone isn't about to buy and therefore in terms of a, a short window return on investment, it tends to be ignored. But if you can get a blog post or something like that, if you can attract them in on that page, maybe a video even, that's in a great place to take control of that journey and then start hand-holding them through the, the decision process to, to buy your product without ever having to compete with the other terms. And from a purely ranking point of view, from a technical SEO point of view, creating a blog post that targets that search intent and getting it ranked is probably far easier than it is to do it for a highly competitive term like Red Cushions, where you're up against Wayfair and Amazon and Next and Argus and all those big brands. It also strikes me that this type of content is easier to outsource than the core content because it's you're not necessarily even talking about your own products. There's a lot less briefing, a lot less nervousness around hiring a freelancer or a VA to write a whole load of these blog posts for you. It feels less risky somehow. Absolutely. I think it's far more, because it is more specific and it's more defined as an outcome, it's very easy to go, well, there's only so much they can talk about if they're writing about red sofas and cushions. You know, there's, there's <laughs> only so much damage they can do to the brand in that in that little window. And if they have done a lot of damage, then I'd be quite impressed, to be fair. So <laughs> I think it's that it is much safer and it's quite easy to... I wouldn't say automate, but systemize and and scale up. Um, and there's not really going to be a shortage of topics here for you to, to, to talk about either. So I was saying I, I really like this as a strategy for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is what we've just talked about in that it's an easier creation process, an easier place to get a quicker return on your SEO investment. The other side I like it is that we are getting to customers at an early point in their state, their, their process, which means we have the time to build trust and interaction with them, which makes them a better customer in the long term. So it both makes them more likely to convert when they see your Google Shopping campaign ad, when they are searching for the red cushion. It also means they are more likely to buy again from you, assuming you don't screw up the delivery of the red cushion, um, because they've they've had that longer relationship with you. You know, the relationship isn't just the search term, the Google ad, the purchase. The relationship has been reading the blogs, getting the advice, 
and working their way through. So I like the fact we're kind of going after a better quality customer too. And I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't, they wouldn't even go back to Google to, to search for red cushions because they've already been taken on that journey and they've reached that point with you. So if you have written that, that blog post, in terms of like to give an example here of what I think this would perfectly look like is they, they search for what color cushions go with the red sofa, they land on your website. You've then got a blog post that answers that, and then embedded in that form or embedded in that blog or in, with a pop-up is a bespoke Clavio or similar uh, kind of marketing system. I'm only mentioning Clavio because I know that you can customize the landing, the pop-up forms very easily in that, and this is what I've done before, to basically have a custom message that is then the next step in their journey. So if you can empathize and know what their next question is going to be and have that as the call to action to sign up to your email address on that blog post, they then go into that that list, which then kind of handholds them through a series of five or six different emails that answers all of the questions that they're going to answer after they've asked that question. And then they will start seeing your products on Instagram and on Facebook and on all your different remarketing platforms. And so they're already aware and they're in your ecosystem, again, to use a slightly fancy and unnecessary word, but they're in your world so that then they can they will never need to escape that to search for red cushions because they know that you are the authority on red cushions um, and that you are the person that they trust to, to purchase from. This does tend to work better slightly for, for more technical products because the authority of red cushions isn't necessarily as quite uh, trustworthy compared to something like a car or a high, high value item. But still, the, the theory is there in that if you can just guide them towards that purchase, it's going to be a much more trustworthy and it's going to be, a, as you say, a high quality relationship with that customer than if you're just trying to grab them when they're shopping. Yeah, but I think, yes, for a lower price point product, it's it's less of an attractive method. But even with a red cushion, I can see, and, and I'm sure some of you are going, oh my God, I've got to create a, a different um, lead magnet or a different sign-up form for my red cushions, my green cushions, my blue I don't think it quite, you don't quite need to go that granular if it's at a lower price point product. Because I think if I'm seeing myself searching for, for the, you know, what colour cushions go with my red sofa, then I land on this page that's talking about different the different cushion covers I could go for. Then I see a pop-up or a, you know, a, a call to action to sign up to a guide to finding the perfect cushions that's going to take me through texture and filling and size, the right size cushions for my, for my sofa and how paint colours affect and windows, you know, and all that kind of ephemera that goes into finding the perfect one with, with maybe the latest trends information in it as well. That at that point is like, okay, brilliant. Oh gosh, I hadn't thought about texture. I hadn't thought about pattern. And I'm getting sucked in. And that's a series which you could have on every single one of your cushion blog posts. So it doesn't have to be, even for the smaller brands, I think there's a there's a role for making this work. Exactly. And I think that's a really good point you've made there around what you're trying to do essentially is predict the next question they're going to ask before they even think of it. And if you can get to that point, you, you sort of won because... If you're then asking, well, you're probably next going to ask, how many cushions do you need for your sofa? Then if you've got that embedded on the blog post, they're more likely to sign up. And I, I much prefer this method of capturing email addresses than, than discounts or uh, generic kind of site-wide messages because it just it removes all personality really from your brand. And if you can embed that empathy into that messaging, I just think it works so much better. And you, you get, as you say, a better quality of customer, I guess, as a result. 
And you're so one, you're getting people who are at the beginning of the stage and therefore they're better quality. But I can also see it that if you you get those reasons to sign up and those next stages right, you start controlling their um, their consideration phase. Yeah. You start giving them the list of questions they need to ask in order to work out which which is a brilliant place to be in as the person selling if you're di- dictating the questions which they're then asking back to you. Exactly. Especially if they then Google that question and find your brand again. So if they then search for, well, how many cushions do I need for my sofa and you're top of search again, then it's like, oh, okay, well, these guys clearly know what they're talking about. And again, it's just that trust signal gets built up and up. Very nice. So this, I, I said earlier, people might be going, oh my God, I've got to create all the lead, <laughs> lead magnets, all the downloads, all the sequences in the world. How how much, you know, we talked earlier about this being an easier way for the smaller business or even the larger business to start seeing an SEO improvement. Let's get to some nuts and bolts. If we're thinking of doing this, what's a reasonable test look like? How many blog posts, how many signups, maybe how long until it comes back, which I know is an evil question. So we'll take caveats. But but just to give everyone listening an idea of is this like a one week strategy or a three year strategy, for example? Uh, it's a very good question. Yeah, the, the it depends answer is coming, um, or it will depend <laughs> on your industry a little bit. But I think, honestly, I'd be fairly confident in saying that if you do this well, it, it will have fairly quick results. And I've certainly seen that where we've measured it on a, one of my clients. We saw results in about six weeks that we were top of search for these terms because we just nailed that search intent. The blog post was really high quality and they answered the question. And, you know, we went from, this wasn't a particularly big brand. They didn't have much authority and they went from not having the blog to having it on page one with with traffic landing on that site within six weeks. So it can be quite quick. And I think in terms of work, in terms of how many blog posts you need to write, I think anything is better than nothing. And if you're writing blog posts now that because you feel like you should be writing blog posts, I would stop and I would take a step back. And if you can only write one quality blog post a month or one every six weeks, do that. That's that's better than than just churning out blog posts that no one's actually that's business focused rather than customer focused. So ideally, you know, in a perfect world, you'd have loads of budget, you'd hire a load of content writers and you'd have them just churning out all of these really good blog posts um, every month. And, you know, you might be hitting 10, 15 a month on a, a variety of questions. But if that takes a year to, to do, I think that's still absolutely fine. That's still going to set you up. And this is the kind of key thing with SEO is it's not about getting that return within the next six weeks. As if you write a really good blog post that is is fairly sticky and stays at the top of search, it can stay at the top of search for the next three years or four years. So that one investment in a blog post is going to generate free, in, in quotation marks, leads or kind of fill your marketing funnel up for months, years to come. Um, and that's where the investment really needs to be taken from a kind of marketing manager or a business owner point of view, you have to sell it over the, the 12 months plus range because it's not going to be a quick sell. But that's precisely why it works is because you are building trust over a long period of time with your customers. I'm not sure if I've answered the question or just... Uh, no, I, th- I think deviated. you gave us an, an example of what's possible. And you also gave us an example of how to, you know, how to really focus on quality here. But I guess the the other question which I'm I would be screaming at uh, whatever I'm listening to us on right now would be, how do I work out if I'm you know if I'm going to go right I'm only going to write one blog post a month and I'm going to take the pressure off myself there but I'm going to make sure it's really really good. How do I work out which blog post to write? How do I work out which questions? are the best ones to answer in that awareness consideration stage? 
That's a great question. I think there are plenty of SEO tools that will help you do this, but I'm going to ignore those for a minute. Open your customer service emails and all of the questions that you're getting emailed on a weekly or monthly basis and start grouping them by kind of common, common questions that are coming in. We basically did this with a client and what we found was that we'd answer, we'd gather these up in month one, write a blog post, and those questions would slowly fizzle out and they'd be replaced with different questions as people moved down that, that funnel and the questions would get more complex. So I think the biggest resource for this is your customer service team or your, your inbox or if you're using a, a CRM or something like that. That is a, is a mine, not minefield, it is a gold mine of, of information there to kind of go in and start extracting all those questions that people are, are genuinely asking because those are real people who have probably searched that question, not found it and gone, well, I'll, I'll email this then. And that might only be a, you know a couple of percent of the actual amount of people searching for it. I love that. The answer always lies with your customers. Um, well, look, Adam, in a second, we're going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors. Before we do that, though, is there any last tip for anyone who's going, yes, I want to do this strategy, um, should know before they embark upon it? I think if you stuck for ideas, one of the good things is just to Google your product and then Google will come up with the people also ask box. That's a really good starting point as well for ideas of, of what you could be writing about. And I think really... I've got to hammer it home again. It's just empathy is, is always going to win here is don't write for you, write for them. You're not there to promote your brand. You're there to give an answer to your customer that is the best answer you can give. And then that will translate into conversions at some point. But just trying to go, oh, you're buying cushions. We're the best cushion seller ever. Here's why. You're not answering the question. They don't, they don't care about you at that point. So, you know, just, just be empathetic and, and stick true to that. Nice. Okay. We are, as I said, we're going to pause for a reminder of the sponsors now, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of SEO. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Adam, so far we've gone deep into your long-term SEO play of it all starting off with blogs and integrating it with our other marketing. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which does, of course, include everything we've already been talking about. So, Adam, are you ready for these? I am. Let's go. Okay, let's start with SEO newbie advice. If we have inspired someone to take their first step with SEO, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? So I think this, this links into what we've already been talking about, but the idea is that keywords get a lot of focus in terms of SEO and people always worry about how many keywords they're using in a blog post or in a, an article. But the reason why people get caught up on that and why you need to use these keywords is because they help give Google an idea of what the article is about. If you ignore those keywords and just answer that question as genuinely as possible or that, that category as genuinely as possible, that, that will naturally get you to quite a close point in terms of ranking quite well anyway without getting caught up on the keyword side. So 
that'd be my main advice really I think is is be empathetic keep banging that home but that's what Google's looking for it's looking for the best search result it can give someone when they're searching for a problem and if you can naturally just write a post around that that's going to have more impact than just writing than trying to stuff keywords in um, and try and fit some magical number that doesn't really exist Nice. We, one cannot give that piece of advice enough, um, if only to help those of us who actually read things online to have yes. a better reading experience. Um, now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimising. So what's your favourite way to improve SEO performance? Yeah, so this is a really, this is a slightly difficult metric to, to measure, but it's one to start thinking about. And this is your branded versus your non-brand search terms or that you get per month on how people are finding you. So if you go into Google Search Console, um, which hopefully you've set up, you can then look at all the different terms that people are finding you on per month. Now, the top, top one of those will normally be your brand term. Um, however, in an ideal SEO optimized world, you would be having a, a lot of that traffic would be coming from non-brand terms. And therefore, you want to measure that over time. And as you produce blogs, that metric should start declining. So it might be that in, in month one, you have 40% of the people are, are finding you through the brand term, or it might be as high as 80% if you're heavily reliant on, on Google ads or on uh, social media ads, where people are typing you, you know, 80% of people who find you are doing so by typing in your brand name. If you can redress that balance and re start reducing that down, it means people are finding you who don't yet know about you. And therefore you're reaching a regular audience of new people who aren't aware of you every month without having to do any extra work. So that brand versus non-brand search terms is a really good metric to measure. In a slightly easier way, if that sounds a bit too complex, because it is, it is quite difficult to set up, I think email sign-up forms and, well, just email sign-up forms is probably the easiest one on those landing pages to see where people, what pages people are signing up to your email on, because it might surprise you. They might be on one blog post that's driving a high percentage of your actual email signups. Nice. Okay. If someone listening wants to learn more about SEO, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? To start for the SEO side, I think Ahrefs have got a really good blog. They've got a lot of information on there. There's a lot of guides that are very well written that are authoritative. And I, I start there. Um, I think to give a slightly careful answer, there's two other kind of areas that I'd like to suggest as well. One is a, a TED talk from a few years ago by Simon Sinek called uh, What's Your Why? That has quite a lot of relevance to SEO as well in terms of just the, your brand tone of voice and, and why you exist. And that really helps focus things down. And just having worked with different brands, brands that don't have a why typically find it much harder to rank for SEO than the brands that do. Because the brands that do have got a vision and a mission and they're easier to build links to and they've got more content they can create and it just makes life much easier. So I'd have a look at that and just try and think what your why is and then bake that into the content you're producing. Nice. I like it. You said that you had two others, one which was the Simon Sinek. So what's the, because we can't leave the listeners hanging <laughs> there. You've got to give us the other one. The other one is, is um, an author called Daniel Priestley. Again, this is slightly not SEO related exactly, but there's a few books that he's done. One is Oversubscribed. And I think it's it's really good at emphasizing how to have a successful business, you don't need to, not everyone has to be your customer. If you can really focus on a small group that are really impassionate about you and you really help them deliver value to them, that is enough to have quite a successful business. And that's really helped me change the way I think about things. And the SEO typically is very large scale and you can get a lot of traffic quite cheaply. 
but you don't need necessarily need that to have a profitable business. If you just focus on really serving a small segment very well, that will naturally lead to, to other things. And there is an overlap there with SEO, I think, in, in, in terms of building links and in terms of just the content you produce. Again, if you can serve that audience really well, it, it helps everything else you're doing in terms of marketing. And, and yeah, I'd recommend anything by Daniel Priestley, but Oversubscribe is, is one of the good books. Excellent. Uh, finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Well, I can call myself an SEO consultant if I didn't mention the three magic words that are of uh, 2021, which is Core Web Vitals. So the Core Web Vitals are a, a technical measure, which I'm not going to go into now because I think there's, there's a, that'll be its own podcast. But essentially what they are is a measurement that Google has now released um, or is releasing in June, I think it is, to start measuring your website in terms of user experience. And I think that's the key thing here is that Google is emphasizing more and more, and we've seen this over the past three or four years, that user experience is so important to Google in terms of how it's measuring and how it's rewarding sites. So if you've got a website that's got huge images on the homepage, doesn't actually say what you sell, and loads really slowly, then you're gonna have a bad time with SEO. If you've got a website that's really rich and full of content, um, is, is quite streamlined and is really good user experience, you'll do much better in SEO and, and you'll have less areas to, to worry about. So in terms of what's coming in the future, I think we're just going to see a, a continuation of that where user experience will be really highly valued by Google. So put it at the priority. Worst case is your, your SEO doesn't improve, but your conversion rates do. That, that for me is, is the worst case scenario. So Cool. And yes, we will, when that's out and people know what we're supposed to be doing with it and you know, fully tried and tested, we will definitely be doing a podcast episode for you guys on that one um, because it's it's big yeah. and it's coming. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, right, Adam, before I go into uh, film trailer mode, <laughs> um, we are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yes, thank you very much. So I am active on LinkedIn, so please do follow me on there. Uh, I also have another podcast called Adam and Simon's Bullshit Busters, where we talk very much about this. And it's all about um, making you excited about the marketing that you can be doing rather than anxious about the marketing that you're not doing. Um, and finally, for um, e-commerce master plan listeners, there is a, a landing page I set up for a free SEO audit. So if you would like to have a free kind of consultancy call, then please do go on um, abas.co.uk and find the master plan page for a free call where we can chat through this strategy and see how it would work for your business. Excellent. Well, we will put a link to that page. Thank you very, very much on um, the show notes page so people can find that really easily. And uh, your Bullshit Busters podcast, what's the name again? And is that on all the right platforms? Yes. So it's Adam and Simon's Bullshit Busters. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. It's on Spotify, Apple, and I'm assuming all other good podcast shops. Yes, they do tend to end up there whether you want them to or not. So <laughs> Yeah, there'll be a feed somewhere out there. Okay. Brilliant. I'm sure, sure you'll get a few people tuning in to find out some more of your SEO tactics that way too. Um, Adam, thanks so much. It's been lovely catching up with you and it's been great being able to share such a straightforward SEO strategy with the listeners. So hopefully we've, we've got a few people feeling a little bit more like they can embrace the world of SEO. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been very exciting. Cheers. Great to catch up with Adam there. And I hope you are all now off to go and mine through your customer service communications to find those questions that you need to create the blog posts to, to start creating that brilliant um, system of 
capturing the customers at the beginning of the buying phase, at that awareness and consideration stage, where you should be able to rank much quicker. You should get customers who are going to be worth more to you in the long term. And you can start growing uh, both your remarketing list on your Facebook pixels and your Google pixels and those email marketing lists. You can get the links to everything we discussed and the full transcript of this episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. And also, whilst you're there, you can sign up for our SEO panel Q&A expert webinar or rearrange those words in any order you see fit, uh, where I will be joined in a live webinar session by all our guests from SEO Month who will be answering your questions about uh, what's going on with your SEO. So maybe you've tried some of the strategies. Maybe you've tried the competitive analysis that Diana was talking about. Maybe you've tried out uh, this blogging idea that Adam's talking about. Maybe you've got all obsessed with entities, uh, as we were talking about with Dixon. Whatever it is, we will be ready and willing to answer your questions in that webinar. Now, to find out when it's happening and to get yourself registered, then head to keepoptimizing.com. And uh, I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Please do tell your fellow SEO frustrated marketers about the show because we are here to help as many of you as possible to improve the performance of your marketing. So please do spread the word. For now, though, have an awesome rest of the week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.